hearts. Hosea chapter 2, we're just going to look at verse 13 as we get started here. This King James, the word of God says, And I will visit upon her, that is Israel, the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers, and forgot me, saith the Lord. And the message today, very simple, is forgotten God. Forgotten God. In two simple points today, we're going to see God judge his people when they forget him. But the last part is really awesome. We're going to see God chase after his people. And that's the God that we serve today. I want to start with a simple illustration from Benjamin Shaw. He says, uh, but we too get distracted by the demands of our days, by the busyness of our times. We forget that as Moses warned that declining from the commandments of God displays a forgetting of God, the same applies to us. Look at this. We tend to think that ignoring or rather not fully living up to one commandment of God is a small thing. But the result is not simply disobedience. It is the beginning of idolatry, of making a God in our own image, a God we can easily obey. But did Jesus not say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments? Yet we find his commandments so easy to ignore. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Paul says, but we want to hold on to offenses, and we want to hold on to resentments. It feels good to bear a grudge. But that is not the way that Christ teaches. To bear grudge, to envy the gifts and graces of others, to covet the possessions of others, these are steps on the way to forgetting God. And I know you guys are here today. (laughs) And what I want to encourage you this week, and I'll give you an illustration probably later in my own personal life, but we need to acknowledge God every day. I'm going to pick on Paul. He's not here. I can do this today. I think God is acknowledging God. uh, Paul is acknowledging God today because Paul would normally be at church. He's not going to miss Sunday school. He's not going to miss church. But the Spirit of God has prompted him that he needs to be with that family in that hospital today. And so Paul, this morning, I'm sure he woke up, sought the, the mind and the heart of the Lord, and he went where the Lord told him to go today. And what I want to challenge you, and this is what I want you to think about even if you're not thinking about me talking today, as you work through your week, we all get our routines, right? I bet you right now, if I had you write out your Monday routine, most of you could say, I'll hit the alarm at this time, I'll hit the snooze five times, I will have this for breakfast, I'll be at work, or I'll go see my friends here, and you'll come home and you'll just have this. And you can do that the whole, your whole life and not acknowledge God, right? I'm begging you today. Can you pray for the preacher? We'll pray for you that we would acknowledge God. When we don't, idolatry is the direction that we head. All right, Hosea chapter 2, verse 1 is really kind of a tag on the end uh, of chapter 1. So real quickly, the verse 1 of Hosea 2 says, Save your brothers, my people, and your sisters, my loved ones. If you remember from chapter 1, great will be the day of Jezreel, and the brothers will be Ami, and the sister will be Ruhamah, and God's mercy will once again revisit his people. So let's do a quick review, because some of you are probably like, what? Is he speaking in tongues? What did he just say up there, right? 
Quick review. God asked Hosea to do what? To marry a prostitute. We still are like, what? Yes. And God was going to demonstrate through Hosea's life to his people their sin. And what he was trying to do was call them back to him. He knows that they're not going to come back as a whole. And we're going to see their judgment. What have the people been doing? Worshiping what? Baals, right? Idols. They've been worshiping Baal. If you remember, even from Jezebel and Ahab, Jezebel had all of her prophets of Baal, and that was the battle, and Elijah won with the Lord's power. And then if you'll remember, Jehu came, and he came in the valley of Jezreel, which is what we just saw here, right? And Jehu slaughtered Jezebel, killed Ahab, killed many prophets of Baal, but Jehu, he still goes back, and what does he do? He worships the Baal. His family worships the Baals. And what you're going to see is under Jeroboam II, this incredible prosperity, this time of great wealth. And as the wealth comes, the people keep going to the Baals, and they forget God. Okay? What does Hosea's name mean? You got the tips up there. Don't be too quiet. All right? What does Gomer's name mean? Completion, coming to an end. Right? All these names are so significant. And so here we're being reminded, God's trying to remind us through that. Not only that, we have Jezreel. What does Jezreel mean? Separated. God is going to separate his people. And I'm going to go into all the detail again, but the northern tribes are going to be taken captive by Assyria. They are going to be separated, right? What does Ruhama? trick question, what's Ruhama mean? Loved. Ruhama means loved and mercy. What does lo Ruhama mean? No mercy, not loved. What does Ami mean? People, right? Ami means people. My people. What does lo Ami mean? Oh, excuse me. Oh, I have that wrong up there. You guys, sorry about that. <laughs> lo Ami means people, or Ami means people. Lo Ami means um, not my people. And that was the significance of those names. And you remember from last week that these are all children of Hosea. So if you saw Hosea and Gomer walking down the market, you would see Jezreel and Lo-Ruhamah and Lo-Ami, they're all walking together, okay? And those children were signs to the people of Israel. Let's look at God's rebuke in verse 2, and this is where we're going to spend our first section this morning. Again, when we forget God, God eventually will discipline and punish those who forget him. Verse 2, God says through Hosea, Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband, let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Now, you have to be careful here. There's two pictures kind of going on, all right? You've got Hosea and Gomer, and Hosea really speaking here to his children to speak to Gomer, but what is really being said? God is talking to Israel. Do I need to say that again? Are you tracking with me? Okay, it's a little tricky. You've got this picture, Hosea and Gomer, and you're going to be walking through that picture of their marriage and their life. But what it is a representation of is God speaking about his people, Israel. All right. And God says here, again, remember, no uh, love, no mercy, and not my people. God is saying here again that she is not my wife. I am not her husband. That is how desperate the situation has got. With Israel. Let's look at verse 3. Again, God speaking through Hosea, he says, Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as on the day she was born. 
I will make her like a desert, turn her into a parched land, and slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children because they are the children of adultery. Okay? Again, this is a little tricky, but Hosea speaking to Gomer, these things are a symbol of God speaking to Israel, these things, right? So when he talks about a dry and a parched land, I believe literally God is saying that famine and drought is going to come on the northern tribes because of their sin, okay? Pretty serious allegations coming out from the mouth of the Lord. And the language, again, his own wife, he would strip her naked, make her bare like she was born, um, and not even showing love to her children. Here's what the Lord is saying. He is not going to show love to the children of Israel because of their sin. And the way that they're going to know that is they're going to be carried away captive into Assyria. Is God compassionate? Is he benevolent? Is he long-suffering? <laughs> right? But does God have his limits with his creation? He does. Please hear me today. This is not my words. This is the word of the Lord, okay? There is a limit to uh, the time of God's patience and his enduring sinful men. And again, I love you guys, and I would probably say that most of you here, as far as I know, are with the Lord and doing great, but I would warn you this morning, if maybe you're pulling the wool over our eyes and we can't see and you think you're getting by on God, his patience will run out. So humble yourself before the Lord. Don't forget him, but acknowledge him. Now here's what really hit me when I was working through this passage. The children of Israel will miss out on the love of God because of their unfaithfulness. Could you imagine not knowing the love of God? God says they will not be loved. Right? Lo ruhamah, no mercy, no love. And you guys, you've heard me say this before, and I'm definitely going to preach the full counsel of God, and I definitely believe in hell. But to me, as horrible as the fires of hell would be, to miss out on heaven is even worse. To miss out on the most precious, beautiful love that you've been created to know because of your selfishness. Could you imagine not knowing the love of God? The message today, again, for us is to acknowledge the Lord and not forget him. Look in verse 5. Hosea says, their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. Just quickly, as we talked last week, most likely, uh, Lo Ruhama and Lo Ami were not Hosea's biological children. They were conceived by another one of Gomer's lovers. And here we see Hosea crying this out. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. So we have the picture of Gomer chasing men who will bestow riches upon her, right? She's a prostitute, and she's prostituting herself for prosperity. Guess what? The people of Israel were doing the same thing. What were they chasing? Prosperity. They were chasing money instead of chasing God. They were making alliances, and you can study these things. How the people of Israel were trying to line themselves up with Egypt so that they could hold off Assyria. And part of their alliances was, again, all about prosperity. And so they were trusting in another power instead of trusting in who? 
What did we sing today? I trust in God, right? They did not trust God. They didn't know if he would come through, so they would seek the Baals, and they would seek other nations to be their strength. They thought it was the Baals and the other nations that were giving them food and water and wool and linen and olive oil and drink. And here's my question to you this morning. Where is your trust today? You reflect on this a little bit this morning. And I know you're here and you say, yes, I love God, I trust God. Do you trust God or do you trust your 401k? Do you trust God or do you trust your medical insurance? Do you trust God or do you trust the United States military? I love the military. I'm glad we spend $700 billion a year to keep our country safe. But is my trust in drones and in tanks and in fighter planes and the greatest navy on the planet? Or is my trust in God? Can you see how Israel was placing their trust in those kinds of things? And God said, you have forgotten me. trying to figure out how long to be quiet and let you think here today. Where is your trust? Maybe your trust is even in another person in your life. And our trust needs to be in the Lord. Are you chasing prosperity? Are you chasing God? Man, our Sunday school lesson was so good this morning. Why do you worship Jesus? And have you just kind of said, oh, he's awesome and wonderful, and I can't really know him, but I'll praise him on Sundays, and then I'm going to go through my life. Are you trying to get to know him that you may worship him even more? Are you chasing prosperity? Are you chasing God, right? Are your main decisions made based on how it will affect your prosperity or how it will please your Lord? Why did you make this decision? Well, because a Honda Civic gets about 40 miles a gallon and a Toyota Trunda only gets 12. (laughs) That wasn't a good decision, probably, was it? Why do you make this decision? Well, because if I go to this job, I'm going to make 90000 but if I take this one, I'm only going to make sixty-five. Are you following me? You can make all those decisions based on prosperity for you, or you can acknowledge God. Now, may God want you to take the better job with, with the more money? Absolutely. That may be what his plan is for you. May God want you to take the less paying job because he has a plan for you to be a light and a witness in a certain place? Absolutely. What do you need to do before you make those decisions? Acknowledge God. That's the whole point of this whole book. Acknowledge God. But what the people of Israel are doing, they forgot him. And what I'm challenging you and me today is sometimes we forget him too. Let me break in here for a second and tell you a little personal illustration. Try not to cry too much. Um, your preacher really messed up a week ago, a week ago Saturday. I did not acknowledge God. I forgot him. Um, we were supposed to have our car show a week from Saturday, right? And it came out, and the rain, it looked like it was going to hail. I'm like, yeah, if I see the word hail, there's nobody coming. I talked to a couple of the guys. They're like, yeah, we weren't coming <laughs> last week. So it was a good call, right? Um, but what I did is I got up Saturday, and I was like, hey, I got the day. I'm going to go do what I want to do. Let's go do something. And I found it just all coincidence. It was really awesome. It was like Isaiah and Rick were actually going to go separately, but they're going to be at the same lake. I'm going to go be with those guys. And went down there and I had a lot of fun. It was a good day. And I'm driving home and I'm like almost starting to sweat. 
I never asked God about my day. And I realized that day I could have been in Springfield with my Jim Teddy, my friend Emily Teddy, <laughs> her dad. But I forgot God. I just chose me. And that whole night, I was like, what did I do? If I had just asked the Lord that morning, what do you want me to do? He would have said, go to Springfield. I forgot him. I just woke up. I did my thing. My schedule changed, and I didn't react. You ever done that? Well, the Lord forgives me. <laughs> Hopefully, Jim and Bina will forgive me. But what I'm challenging you is to not make those mistakes, right? When you get up tomorrow morning and you go through your routine before you start your routine, why don't you say, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Let me do that. And maybe it's not going to church. Maybe you're going in a hospital waiting room with your daughter-in-law because she needs you, right? Maybe, and this is hard, maybe it's not even going to work, but you know you're supposed to go to work, but actually God today has got you in a whole different place. And you need to go there instead of doing what you're contracted to do, but you, can, you know you can get a day here or there to do what you got to do, right? Maybe it's actually spending time with someone rather than doing the event or the activity that you always love because this time you know you need to be there because God's telling you. Don't forget the Lord. Amen? Acknowledge God's presence. All right, look down at verse 6. The Lord continuing on with his rebuke. He says, therefore, I will block her path with thorn brushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. And then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first, for then I was better off than now. God is punishing his people. What's the purpose of the punishment? To draw them back to him. Amen. They'll come back. If I will punish them, they will come back. Now, his hope is it will cause the people to return. Some will, but many will not. We know how that goes. Look in verse 8. Here's the issue, and it's by trying to hit over and over, and you're going to hear it many weeks ahead of here. She, Israel, or she, Gomer, has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold, which they used for Baal. And here is the problem. They forgot to acknowledge God. Who was giving Gomer the wine and the grain? And the, she thought it was her lovers providing. Who was really providing for her? Hosea. Israel thought it was Egypt, thought it was the Baals that were providing the wine and the grain. But who was it? It was God. We were at Wendy's, uh, her dad's church a couple weeks ago, and was talking about Moses. Moses goes up on the mountain. He's getting the Ten Commandments, and he's gone just for, uh, you know, 40 days, not that long. And in the time, what happens with the people down below? Where's Moses? What are we going to do? We don't know what's going on, or we've got to figure out something. He, who knows? Maybe God took him, right? God had allowed the Egyptians to plunder Egypt, to plunder their gold, to plunder their silver. They were incredibly wealthy when they left the country of Egypt. Moses is gone 40 days, and what happens? Aaron, take over. you got to do something. And what does Aaron do? He takes the God-given gold, and he makes an idol out of it. He fashions it. Moses comes down the mountain, and Aaron basically says, I don't know what happened, Moses. Poof, there was this golden calf. <laughs> he just lies flat out. 
But God blessed them with the material, and they used it to make an idol. Now, are you tracking with me? God has blessed you with the material. Don't use it to make an idol. Worship the creator, but be thankful for the created things. Don't worship the created things. That's what, what Gomer was doing. That's what Israel was doing. She was not acknowledging God, all right? Again, they took God's gifts, made them into idols. Sometimes I'm afraid we do the same. God gives us prosperity, and we worship the gifts rather than the giver. Another reflection question for you this morning. What gifts are you tempted to worship? What gifts are you tempted to worship? You know what I mean by that? What is going to take more of your time and your resources and your energy? It's a God-given gift, but it can also step in the way of your time with God. Can your house become something that takes away time from you serving the Lord? And I love, again, we love our facility here, but even this house can do that sometimes, can't it, right? What about uh, your technology? You guys know your preacher, preacher is a techno nerd, right? Can that take away your time and take away your resources from worshiping the Lord? What is it for you? I don't know. What gifts are you tempted to worship today? Look in verse 9. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool, my linen, intended to cover her naked body. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers, and no one will take her out of my hands. Again, picture of Hosea and Gomer, but what we're talking about here is God and his people. And what he's going to show those other nations is he's basically going to completely embarrass Israel in front of Egypt, in front of Nebuchadnezzar and all of Babylon. He's going to embarrass his people because they have chosen somebody else than him. They forgot him. All right. Look at verse 11. I'm going to stop all her celebrations. Her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed festivals. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were her pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket, and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the bales. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she, what? She forgot, declares the Lord. Again, verse 13. Me, she forgot, declares the Lord. The holy days and the festivals to celebrate Baal will be no more. I'm going to be careful here, but I want you to think. I think the Lord wants us to think. Do we celebrate some holy days that even the holy days have become idolatry to us? Yeah, I, I'm going to challenge you just for a second. You think with me a little bit here, right? We know what Christmas has become in the secular world, right? And for a lot of people, Christmas isn't about Jesus remotely. Even in a secular world, Easter has become things, right? Easter's about nice clothes, and now Easter's kind of becoming a gift-giving day. Just ask the marketers, ask Target and Walmart. They're making a ton of money on Easter as a gift-giving day. Again, the holy days. Let me give you something else to, to ponder again. I'm going to let you think it with the Spirit of God. You can talk about it later or not. 
but is is there any concern for a group of believers to be celebrating a holiday that seems to be given over to demons and devils? Uh, Halloween, right? Can we honor God even in that season? Yes, we can honor God. Is it right for us to be doing that practice? A quick side example, and I think I've shared this a little before. When Paul and I went to India, they were practicing holy. And if you guys know anything about holy, holy is a celebration of Indian gods. It is completely idolatry. Now, in our American version of holy, what is it? It's awesome. We call it a color run, right? People would put on white t-shirts and they go for a jog. And as they go through the streets, we have these pellets of all these beautiful colors. And we just pelt these people with the colors. And the colors are beautiful. We think, oh, it's amazing and wonderful. And in India, that is tied to the worship of, of, of a Baal, of a false god. I was over there when I was in India. I was kind of hoping, me and Stacy both, were kind of hoping we would get colors all over us. We thought, oh, that will be so cool. And Sindhu and ID, they were like, oh dirty colors why were the colors dirty to them because to them it represented worship of idols it represented forgetting god all right again i'm just laying this in your heart to think about today you honor the lord in your holidays but what i'm challenging you is the people of israel were celebrating all kinds of holy days and they forgot god all right she will be punished for worshiping Baal. She adorned herself and she forgot God. And yet, this will all turn. Follow me quickly and we'll finish up here. Look at Israel's redemption down in verse 14. Therefore, I am now going to what? To allure her. <laughs> not demand, not force. I am going to draw her. I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. She's a prostitute. We could use even worse words about her, right? And what is God going to do? He's going to draw her back. He's going to make the valley of Achor a valley of hope. He takes the worst, most terrible things, and he flips them. What's the Valley of Achor? Who's famous for the Valley of Achor? You remember Joshua and the walls of Jericho? They came down, and there was a guy by the name of Achan. After the walls came down, what did Achan do? He decided he'd stick a little bit of that prosperity in his back pocket, hid it under his tent, and where Achan was judged was the Valley of Trouble, or otherwise known as the Valley of Achor. God is going to take the valley of Achor and make it a valley of what? Of hope. Oh, it's so good. The worst trouble, the worst problem, the worst people who have forsaken, forgotten God, when God calls their heart and they get their heart changed, he makes the worst things into the best things. That's what he does. And that's why we love and tell people around us. And that's why we don't give up hope on people. Because God is the valley of trouble into the valley of hope making God. That's what he says right here. She will respond. She will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came out of Egypt. When that people was following Moses after the incident with Aaron, they kind of got back on track for a while. 
God says, it's going to be like those days. Verse 16, in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. That's the way marriage should be. Amen. Verse 17, I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. Woo! That's it. The day of the Lord. For the wicked, it is the day of disaster and trouble and wrath. But for the believer, what is the day of the Lord? Peace and safety and true prosperity and true worship of the one holy God. In that day. That is what is coming. No longer a master, but husband. A restored relationship. Baal's name, God. The name of the Lord praised. A new covenant. Peace and safety. And if you'll bear with me, this is some penology here. I think this is the new heaven and the new earth. This is what is coming pictured all the way back here in the book of Hosea. You guys check it out, see what you think. But it also seems to, with Isaiah, where the, the lion and the lamb lay down together, right? It's that same kind of picture. And that is what is coming. Verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge that's the message. God says, submit yourself to me, and I will not be your master. I will be your husband, and you will acknowledge the Lord, and things will be right. Verse 21, in that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth. No more desert, no more drought. Verse 22, the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. That separated that valley of Jehu, again, will be a blessed place. Verse 23, I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. God will no longer be forgotten. He will be acknowledged. Jezreel will know the new grain, the new wine, and the olive oil. And lo, Ruhamah will be Ruhamah, and lo, Ami will be Ami. Are you tracking with it now? They're going to get a name change. Talk about an awesome name change, right? I've always been known as not loved, but my name got changed. Now my name's just Ruhamah. I'm the one who is loved, the one who's God showed mercy to. My name has always been lo, Ami, not my people. But no longer got rid of the low. My name is Ami. I am one of God's people. And here he says, and he will be my God. You are my God. That's what God does. So who are you hurting for this week? Who's far from God? Who's far from the Lord? And you're kind of like, I don't even know if it's worth even praying for him or trying anymore. I just get tired. I get worn out. Here's that reminder. God is constantly chasing his people, isn't he? Praise the Lord. A challenge to you this morning is that you would not forget the Lord. Okay, as we conclude this morning, go ahead and stand, why don't you, this morning, and we'll take this time to reflect a little bit today. Are you forgetting God? In your mental health, in your physical health, 
for your daily bread? Are you acknowledging God or have you forgotten him? Now here is the great news this morning. He has not forgotten you. <laughs> Amen? And I know some of you were trying to, we talked with some different friends yesterday, and especially as we're getting older, how are we going to deal with this? And how are we going to make our way through this? And I can't do what I used to do. God has not forgotten you. He is with you. He will meet your needs, but you've got to trust in him. This is God's story of redemption. He chases the unfaithful. While we were yet, what? Sinners, Christ died for us, right? That's who he is. He will allure her. He's not going to force her. He's not going to demand her. He's going to draw her out. One day, those who have repented and trusted in him will live in righteousness, justice, love, and compassion for eternity. My challenge to you this morning is I, I want you to acknowledge the Lord every morning and every evening and see what he does in your life. What I'd like to do right now, we're going to just stay quiet here for just a minute. And if you need to pray there in your seat, we'd like you to pray. If you need to come here and pray, we'd encourage you to do that. After we have a little moment of quiet, I'll have a prayer, and then uh, Ray will lead us in a song to help us continue to think about what we've done. Let's just take a moment this morning, quiet reflection. Again, ask yourself, am I forgetting God or am I acknowledging him? What are the prosperous things he's given me that are a temptation to me to worship them instead of him? And then to be reminded that God is chasing you and we need to be chasing those that need him. Let's take a moment of quiet and please reflect and then we'll pray.